Let us pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to receive all that leads to life and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Psalter reading comes from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 4. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Listen again to God's word for us. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Gracious Lord, the preaching of your word, with the blessing of your spirit, grant that insofar as it is true to your everlasting goodness, it shall be undergirded by your power and by your love. Grant that insofar as it is false, it shall be swiftly forgotten and do no harm. Above all, God, grant that this sermon and our whole worship service may grow us in your love and our love for one another. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In our New Testament passage this morning, we find Jesus raised from the dead, meeting his disciples on a mountaintop back home in Galilee. If we engage in the spiritual discipline of imagining this moment recounted in Scripture, it had to have been surreal. Not much more than a week or so before, the disciples had seen Jesus arrested, falsely accused, tried, and crucified, as the disciples themselves had fled and left Jesus for dead. And yet three days later, they had also witnessed Jesus raised from the dead. And the cross, 
a tool crafted in cruelty to torture and destroy anyone and any cause nailed to it. The cross had been transformed, flipped by Jesus into a tool for the salvation of the world as he had borne sin and death on our behalf so that we might be born unto eternal life. And now the disciples were back home in Galilee on a mountaintop waiting for Jesus. Perhaps there was a cool breeze, maybe a rising sun. They had hiked together, this small group of 11, up the mountain, muscles working, hearts pumping step after step, up a beaten trail around stones, up to the top. Perhaps thinking to themselves as they went, can this be real? What are we doing? Did we really see Jesus back in Jerusalem? And when a doubt perhaps slipped from one of the disciples' lips, another disciple was there alongside him to say, Yes, brother, we did. He is risen. Jesus is risen. And then at the top, they see Jesus again, their crucified, risen Messiah, their teacher, their friend, their Lord and Savior. And they worshiped him. And the Greek word for worship literally means to bow down, to bend the knee. It's an act of humility, of devotion, of allegiance, of promising faithfulness and obedience. And the word worship in English has roots in the word worth or worthy, which themselves literally mean value. Something is worthy or has worth if it has value to you. And you worship when something has utmost value to you. So when we think about worship, we're really talking about allegiance and value. Our worship service, right this red-hot second, in this place, in this time, it's a moment for us to come together to proclaim together that God, as revealed in Jesus Christ, is our creator and our redeemer, our Lord and Savior. Every sermon, every hymn, every anthem, every prayer, every offering is only a variation on this theme that God is our utmost value and, that the, and the gracious giver of anything and everyone that we value. But worship is broader than just our time here together in this sanctuary on a Sunday morning because worship permeates and shapes every aspect of our lives. In worshiping God, we learn and grow as Jesus' disciples to see life from a bird's eye view. We might even say from a mountaintop view like the disciples in our passage this morning. From the vantage point of worshiping our creator and our redeemer as revealed in Jesus Christ, we can see the foundation and the destination of everything. When we worship God, we learn and affirm that our value, the value of everyone else and the value of everything else stems from the fact that God made us and everything in creation good, very good. When we worship God, we also learn and acknowledge the ways that we sinfully stray from the goodness from which and for which we are made. We learn and acknowledge the wounds that we inflict on ourselves and others, and we confess and repent of this sin in light of the forgiveness God has showered over us in Jesus Christ, so that we can be rerooted and regrown in God's loving ways. When we worship God, we learn and affirm God's kingdom come. We know no matter what slings and arrows this world hurls at us, 
Resurrection will come. We know that the suffering and death will not withstand God's redemptive loving power in the end. But for many outside the church, and to be honest, many of us within the church on any given day, what we learn and affirm in worshiping God can sometimes seem too good or too wild to be true. And it appears that some of the disciples would understand how that felt because as they worshiped Jesus, we hear that some doubted. Now, fascinatingly, you could translate the Greek in this verse, they worshiped and they doubted. And it would not be surprising to see Jesus again on that mountain and to fall to one's knees and worship in allegiance and commitment, even as one's mind struggles to catch up. Because while doubt is a matter of the head, worship is more comprehensively a matter of the hands and the hearts and the head. Sometimes it seems that the hands, that is, the practices of worship and more broadly discipleship, grasp something in a deeper, more visceral, more immediate manner than the head can make sense of. Sometimes it's the hands, the practices that take the lead in ways that train and shape our hearts and our heads to see God at work in the world. Worshiping God together grows us brothers and sisters, as God's disciples, and it equips us to go forth and make more disciples by proclaiming in word and deed the reality that we have a good creator in whose loving image we are made. That though we sin, though we miss the mark of living in God's loving image in ways that unleash suffering and death on this world, God came incarnate as Christ to save us from sin and death and to reform us to be ambassadors, witnesses of the reality that Jesus is our Lord and Savior unto the day of God's full kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, a day of resurrection when every tear is wiped away, every wrong made right. And we heard this morning that Jesus was telling this small group of his 11 disciples from Galilee that they were to now go forth And make disciples in this way of who? Of everybody. All nations, no matter who you are, the whole world. By baptizing folks with the forgiving waters of God and teaching them the ways of loving God and loving their neighbors as themselves. And now, as tall as that commission is... I have to admit that I always find Jesus' words in the last verse of this passage to be particularly and especially striking. Because Jesus, after saying all these things, says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Greek here could be translated, and look, I'm with you all the days, every day until the end of the age. I'm with you every day. Jesus' proclamation here echoes the angel's words to Joseph. You remember at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew when the angel told Joseph that the child in Mary's womb would be Emmanuel, God with us. And here at the very end of the Gospel is Jesus saying, look, I'm with you every day 
all the days, always, until the end of the age. I am Emmanuel, God with you. I think, sisters and brothers, a core part of our growing as Jesus' disciples is learning to see and affirm this reality that Christ is with us every day. Because on its face, that's not an easy thing to do. And it even seems baffling. How was Jesus with them, with us, when we're not standing physically face to face with Jesus? Because Christ is not simply with the disciples in the way we might say that a loved one who has passed is with us. When we lose someone close to us, there is the affirmation and the reality that our loved one remains with us in the memories that we have that can be a blessing to our broken hearts. There is affirmation and reality that our loved one remains with us as well in our carrying on their legacy, carrying on things they deeply loved and valued. There's affirmation and reality that our loved one remains with us as well in the ways that he or she shaped us, formed us, taught us. There are things we do, ways we think, values we hold because our loved one was so deeply a part of our lives. There's affirmation and reality that we will see our loved one again in the resurrection, the world to come, that it is only a matter of time before we will enjoy their presence and embrace again that they are but resting in a far deeper way with God until that day. And yet when Jesus says here, look, I am with you every day, he does not mean only that his memory is a blessing to the disciples. He does not mean only that the lessons he taught them will continue to shape their lives. He does not mean only that he is in a heaven awaiting reunion with them, and the full kingdom come. When Jesus says, look, I am with you every day, we have to look even deeper into the fact that this is a statement about the ways Jesus, as God, as our creator and redeemer, is with us every day. If we have but eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to feel, feet and hands to follow, heads to grasp, core parts, again, brothers and sisters, of growing as Jesus' disciples is learning to see and affirm this reality that Christ is with us every day in our work, our play, our rest, in our relationships. In our work, whether it's paid or volunteer, whether it's at home or out in the community or at school, We are doing something constructive for the benefit of ourselves and others, often using the particular gifts and talents, the skills with which and for which God made us. As we go about our days, we can be on the lookout for the ways that we are acting to care for and benefit others in our work. And we can note that this is God's Spirit moving and present with us, alongside us, every day. And furthermore, as we go about our day, as we go about work, wherever it might be, carrying on a running, prayerful conversation with God throughout the day, as odd as it might feel at first if you haven't done it in the past, carrying on a running, prayerful conversation in which you say, thank you, Jesus, when something clicks, or God, help me with this when it's not, that is a powerful way 
to train your heart and your head to see the ways God is moving in and through you and others in the constructive endeavors of work. Similarly, when we're at play, when we're doing something we just enjoy doing, whether it's for 10 minutes or an afternoon or however long, we can recognize that this good thing or activity in which we delight is wondrously a part of God's good creation. We can affirm and name it as such. And again, in running prayerful conversation with God, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Or Lord, this is beautiful, fun, fantastic. That running prayerful conversation is a powerful way to train our hearts and our heads to see how God is moving in and through those delightful, playful activities. Similarly, when we are resting, whether simply having a seat after a long day or lying down for the night, we can thank God for the chance to be still, recognizing how we are finite creatures made for rhythms of work and play and rest. Rest can also be a time spent in prayerful meditation with God on one's day or the present moment, sharing about concerns or delights or the ways we saw God moving and listening, listening as well for any feelings or insights as we pray that foster the love of God and the love of our neighbors as ourselves. Again, that prayerful conversation with God is a way of training our hearts to see how God is moving in and through our lives. Lastly, but far from least, in our relationships, when we are interacting with other people. This is perhaps where we might most readily think of God incarnate as Jesus being with us every day, because relationships are where we can be on the lookout for fruits of the Spirit or lack thereof in our own thoughts, desires, and actions, as well as those of others. The places we regularly work, play, and rest, the people that we regularly interact with, the way we treat them and the way we are treated, these are essential training grounds in which we can name and practice fruits of the Spirit and call on God to walk us through the day in a way that's filled with patience and peace and gentleness, self-control, forgiveness, generosity, and humility. In ways that I think really nicely weave together the goodness and the presence of God in our work, in our play, in our rest, in our relationships. Douglas McKelvey writes in his book, Every Moment Holy, which, by the way, is a wonderful resource on these fronts. He writes about how even the most dull piece of housework, the chore that you dislike the most, that chore can order and clean and steward our homes so that, quote, in those ordered spaces, bright things might flourish. Fellowship and companionship, creativity and conversation, learning and laughter, enjoyment and health. He writes as well about how work beyond the home, too, is a way in which we, quote, meet our needs and contribute to the needs of others and are called to work and serve others with mindfulness and creativity and kindness. Loving God well by loving all whom we encounter in the day. I want to close, though, brothers and sisters, too, by noting as well 
that those times in which we feel an absence of God or of God's goodness, in times of hardship or suffering or loss, whether personally or as we see in the lives of others, when it is hard to see where God is, even if we can name God at work in our work and our rest and our play and our relationships, in those times of suffering when it is hard to see and name where God is moving. I just want to name that for me, in times of deepest sorrow, I've seen God's Spirit moving in two fundamental ways. First, in any compassionate responses to the suffering and care shown for those who are hurting. And second, in the visceral recognition that this suffering is not the way that things are supposed to be for anyone. And that this suffering is precisely what God in Jesus Christ is leading the resurrecting charge against. I'll note as well that some days, sometimes, seeing God's movement in and amidst suffering may mean worshiping, even amidst doubt of where God is. As we heard amongst the disciples today, we can even take heart in the fact that we can worship even in the face of doubt, especially when we are in community with one another to carry one another along and to affirm, yes, brother, yes, sister, Christ is risen. Ultimately, it takes time, it takes practice to learn and see God present and moving in our lives in the good as well as amidst the bad, individually and as a community, as a congregation together. And if you feel like you are not growing in the love of God and neighbor, in your, your God-given capacity to know and follow and see God present in your life and in the life of the world, please shout out. We are here together to nurture and support and equip one another under God to discern and learn the life-giving ways and presence of God with us every day. Unto the kingdom come. So brothers and sisters, may we be so blessed, and may we be that blessing to each other. Through Christ our Lord. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.